Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. All right. So what is the church's job? Mission, right? I like using job because then we kind of understand what it is. A job, when we think of mission, sometimes you might just think something on the wall, right? Now, hopefully, most mission statements are something you actually act out in a business or in a home, but, but if you think job, you realize there is work to be done, right? So the church has a job. It has a role. You have a job. You might have multiple jobs. But as believers, we are tasked with a job. When we, when we received salvation, it wasn't just simply forgiveness of sins, now we're saved to kind of live like we want until finally one day we're with Jesus. No, we were adopted into a body. We were adopted into a body and we were, we were assigned a very specific role and task. And uh, that's what we're going to start looking at now. We're going to look at the overarching. So um, where we find the outline, the overarching job of all believers is in the great commandment and the great commission. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. By the way, and I, oh, we don't have time to, to really park on that, but that right there, think about what that means. Love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Do you realize, like, we, to do that, it's more than singing. And by the way, was the worship amazing? Isn't it good? Oh, worshiping together with you guys, it was so much better in the nine than the Saturday. You, this service is the best. No, I'm just kidding. It's good in every service. But you worship and you lift your hands and worship. And this morning I was in the Word again and I was reading an Exodus and being encouraged, watching Moses stumble around a bit. And I felt very encouraged by that. Um, and, and the Lord was speaking to me and it was a good time. And we think that's part of loving the Lord. Yes, that is actually part of loving the Lord. And you know what another part of loving Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is? When someone has hurt you, to release that hurt to him and forgive. To choose to love, right? To love someone that's hard to love. To love someone that doesn't deserve it in your heart or mind or can't give you anything in return. And that is, those ways, it's love in action. That is how we love God with all of our heart, with all of our lives. But it's something we do. That could be a whole message in and of itself. We'll, we'll touch that on some other time. But for now, and the second, which is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We spent some time on this during the, during the lockdown, didn't we? Right? In the Learn to Love series. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. But we also have the Great Commission. And it says here, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then we get, sorry, I just love, there are so many nuggets in scripture. It's hard to just get one truth out of a passage. Then he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we get a clue there to the end of the age. This call wasn't just to a few disciples. This, this passage, this great commission is to everyone that will come after believing in the name of Jesus until the end of the age. And what an incredible promise. First, an incredibly high calling. Go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And you say, wow, that sounds big. It is big. It is big. But he says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
He's with us. He's walking with us. And I think that's incredible. So anyhow, out of those two passages, we're going to get the overarching as it relates to all people, the mission or the job, if you will, of the church and of believers. And as such, we should be able to look in any believer's lives. And I know we go through seasons, right? So you might be in a season where you just went through something very difficult and your processing hurts. I get it. So I'm not saying there's never seasons where we you know, where we pause and step back and get healing and we, and we get ministered to. Yes, totally. But over a length of time, we should be able to see in every believer's lives how they love God, love people, how they are in actively being discipled and how they make disciples. And that is our mission statement here at the church. Love God, love people, be discipled, make disciples. Now, you'll notice there is a, a, a fourth part I put in there, be discipled. That's what we have in there. You're wondering, where is that from? Why is that there? Um, because really, it's just about making disciples. But the truth is, unless you have been discipled, unless you've learned how to do something, it's very hard to go and teach someone else how to do that same thing. Can you imagine having open heart surgery and finding out right before he, he gasses you and puts you under? I don't know if they actually gas you. I'm assuming, I hope. <laughs> Anyways, let's say they're gassing you right before he says, yeah, I just got my certificate online. Like I did a Google course. And you're like, <laughs> you don't wanna, what? Don't, don't tell me you learned from Google how to do open heart surgery right before I go under. I, I want to know that the one that is operating on my heart, I mean, that's the, that's the organ that keeps me alive. I want to know the one that is operating on my heart that they learn from someone else who has also operated on hearts and hopefully someone who has operated on many. True? That's why the be disciple is in there. Because when we're making disciples, I mean, we all actually make disciples, if you think about it. You have kids, you have friends, we all sell to others and we all influence others with our values and the things that we love and like, dislike and like. It's true. We do. And the question is, though, what are we discipling people towards? And uh, Scripture says we are supposed to disciple them towards teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. So that is a pretty high call, and lots is at stake in the same way that lots is at stake with my heart. This thing keeps me living. And in the same way, what we're talking about in matters of the word of faith, we are talking about eternity. We are talking about the most precious thing that people could ever, ever, ever come to. And that's why we have Be Discipled on there. We need to be being discipled. We need to be built up so that we have something to go out and give to others. And really, you find it in Ephesians anyhow, and we're going to cover that in just a moment. Uh, but Ephesians 4 says, it's the, the leadership job, the apex job in the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's being discipled. So we, we equip the saints for going out and doing the ministry, which is loving God, loving people, and making disciples. That's pretty special. Our job is simple. Our job is simple. But it, it is far from easy. Lots is at stake. Lots is at stake. We have to take our job seriously. We're, and we could spend a whole, a whole message on that alone, on the on the examples that are given of a servant who's entrusted with his master's household to do a job and his master leaves and then the servant is lazy and doesn't do the job well because he thinks no one's watching. We don't want to get caught in that. So anyhow, John 14 gives us a clue of just how high this calling is. John 14 says this, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, by the way, whoever believes in me, uh, who would that include in here? Any of you? Any more? How many of you believe? 
There we go. Lots of you. I was going to say, I'm going to change the message right now. We're going to have more of an evangelistic tone today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So whoever believes in me, so that includes me, but it also includes you. True? We'll also do the works that I do. Meaning we need to be in here. We need to be looking at what are those works that he did. That's important. It says whoever believes. This is to all of us. We need to be doing the works that he did. And then he, as if that wasn't high enough, because that already we're like, that's a high call. And then he goes on to say, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Jesus said some of the most outrageous things, didn't he? And yet he never lies. He never stretches the truth. And so we need to take him at his word. So this is our mission that we're charged with as both individuals and the church, our purpose on the earth. We are going to spend more time in this. We started a little bit with Learn to Love, but I really want to get onto that Be Discipled, Make Disciples, and it fits into this series very, very well because it's a function of the church. Um, But to get there, I want to put that on hold now. We're going to put the mission, the job on hold for the rest of this message, and we're going to look at another aspect. We're going to look at the body itself. Because to do a job well, you need to have a functioning body. And and that's how I want you to see it. So I have a job here at church right now. I'm teaching, and I'm walking around and pacing. I have a brace on because my body's a little bit broken. Could be worse. Um, But but I need my mouthpiece. I need my eyes so I don't trip around. Uh, But I need lots of things. I'm glad that I feel well today. But can you imagine if I was sick, if I woke up with a high fever, and I had lost my throat, lost my throat, lost my voice? (laughs) Oh, some of the things that come out of my mouth. That's okay. That's Christ in me, right? That's the hope of glory. It's not me. But anyways, can you imagine I lost my voice and had to come up here and speak? High fever, what would I do? Would I be able to to effectively communicate to you? Maybe with a miracle, but you can see what I'm getting at. If my body was sick, if I got into an accident on the way here, my body was broken, I would have an incredibly difficult time coming and doing the job that, that is required of me, wouldn't I? And in the same way, we have a job, and it's not just a small, little, tiny job that's insignificant and not important. We have the most important job ever given to mankind, and that is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves, modeling Jesus to them, to go and and submit to a process of being equipped by others, humility, and being connected to the body, and then going out and making disciples, teaching them to observe all the things we've seen in Jesus, an incredibly high calling, and an order to do that, we need to have a healthy body. And that's why we're going to look at the body. So Ephesians 4, we're going we're to read this. I've been just itching, dying to get to this passage because it's my favorite, one of my favorite church passages. All of Ephesians is really good for, for actually just speaking about the church. But, uh, but especially here, I've always found it's just great because it's so instructive. Don't you love those passages that you, you get in and it's just instructive? It kind of gives you the steps. And you don't get that always in the Word. Um, Many times you've got to kind of put it together. You get a lot of commands, but not always the steps. Here it's instructive. And it starts here, I therefore, this is Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, 
One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. Oh, here we go. I got to move forward here. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. That's all of us. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity and of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ." from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part, it says, and this is where I'll end on this passage in verse 16, when each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This passage here, I I did skip out verses 9 and 10 because it just talks about he who ascended is the one who descended and all that stuff. It's a proof of Christ. But one one through 16 is just a gold mine of instruction for us as the church. And it tells us, it gives us a lot of idea into this idea of church. What is church supposed to look like? What is the purpose of church? What is the role of us as believers? And Paul gives us a lot of instruction here. So each person, I I mean, one of the things we could focus on, and I won't have time to go through all of this. We're actually going to to look at one thing in here really uh, a lot this week, and then we're going to tackle another one next week um, because there's just too much to, to go through here. But each person has a part to play in protecting the unity and helping the body grow. That's what this says, each person. When each part, each part, we're each individual members of the body. When each part does its role in maintaining and, and working towards the unity of the spirit and being equipped to do ministry and working together, it says it makes the body grow so that it's built up in love. And that goes now to our job. So as we work together, we're able to and we're empowered to go and do our job as believers. And that's both as the gathered and scattered church. Unity comes from the Spirit as we submit to Him. He talks about that, right? One Lord, He talks about maintaining the unity of the Spirit. And then He goes on to how do we do that? He gives those universal truths. One Lord, one Spirit, one church, one baptism, one call. It says He gave gifts to the church. There seems to be this five-fold ministry that He's given to the church. And we'll mention that a bit towards the end of the message. And then he talks about the church is to become something. And that's where we're going to pause. We're, we're to become the fullness of God on the earth. So he says that this process of you have the, the apex kind of leaders equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And this process doesn't end, right, until we attain uh, mature manhood and the measure and the, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there's, there's a process that's happening that we are all a part of. And so I want to park on that because I really want us to get, there's a, there's a key piece here if we're going to move forward as a healthy body. And what we need to understand is the importance of the fullness of God. And that's where we're going to spend a little bit of time now. So the importance of the fullness of God. The Ephesians text we just read, right? He says, I therefore, 
um, it, it follows Paul's prayer for the church in, three, in uh, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And that's a famous passage where Paul talks about the, the height and the length and the breadth of, of God's love, that we would know it, that we would know this love. But there's more to it than that. In, in Ephesians 3, 19 to 21, it says, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he starts by saying that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So what is the fullness of God? So we see it now mentioned twice. First, he's praying that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Then he's instructing us to to work like this and work together so that we can become the fullness of God. So who is the fullness of God? And we get a clue of this when we take a step back and look at Jesus while he was on the earth. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And so when Jesus walked on the earth, the fullness of God was in him and was on him. And that's probably one of the big reasons why it made it possible for Jesus to so impact the world. I mean, yes, he was the son of God, but it also says the fullness of God in deity form uh, dwelt in him in bodily form. But now what Paul is saying in Ephesians 3 is that someone or something else can be filled with the fullness of God. And this is important. And Jesus kind of talks lots about this too when he says, it's better for you that I go for I'm sending you the helper. And we see the Holy Spirit as a part of this. But it's important that we operate in the fullness of God. Ephesians 1, 22 to 23, though, starts talking about now who is this new fullness now that Jesus has left and he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church. That's us. We are the church, his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. So the fullness of God that was in Jesus when he was here has now been given to us, the church, to carry on his original mission so that the body can actually now function. The body of Christ is supposed to function as Jesus did when he was here as an extension that can go globally. So I want to give you just, you have to understand how important the fullness piece is. So I'm going to give you an example here uh, from, the, from McDonald's. Uh, as you can see, I love McDonald's. <laughs> actually, I don't eat there. I just love their coffee. That's a lie. I love their fries. Those fries. Wow. Addictive. But anyhow, and the coffee. Other than that, I'm sure there's other things that are good. I just don't eat it. But um, McDonald's. So in 1940, two brothers, Richard and Maurice McDonald, early fast food pioneers, opened a drive-in restaurant, which they named McDonald's after their own last name. So it was their store. At the same time, a man by the name of Ray Kroc was making a living selling milkshake machines to restaurants. So when he saw the McDonald's uh, brothers' restaurant, he liked what he saw. He liked their values. He liked their system. He liked their brand, their product. He liked it. And he saw possibilities, probably in dollar signs, but he saw possibilities for expansion. And uh, it says in 1954, Kroc became a partner with the McDonald's brothers. And as they expanded to nine restaurants in 1961, didn't take that long. He said it bought, uh, he bought out the brothers for $2.7 million. So that's quite low. If you consider what McDonald's is worth now, that's not a lot of money. But back then it would have been a little bit more, but still, wow. Right? If only they had known what it would turn into. Right? A global franchise. Over 31,000 McDonald's restaurants fill the earth today. And they really do. 
And the thing is, it's predictable what you get. It doesn't matter where you go. I've been in South America and gone to a McDonald's. And even the bathroom, like we know when you go into a McDonald's, wherever the counter is, the bathroom's to the right. And maybe there's one or two exceptions, but that's pretty much everywhere you go. The bathroom's always going to be to the right. You know what you're going to get. You know what's on the menu. In South America, they did have jalapenos added, which I thought was a, a very good addition. They should do that here. But anyways, you're understanding the point. There's this enormous fast food giant, this franchise that has done incredibly well. And the question is, why have they done so well? Why have they been able to have such a, a powerful brand and so much success all across the world? And I'll tell you why. The key is their meticulous adherence to the McDonald's principles of success. You see, that original franchise, they had principles upon which they were built on and what made them work. And that's what attracted Ray Kroc in the first place. And it's, it's McDonald's. What makes the system work no matter where it goes is you always get the same thing. They are meticulous in their adherence to their, to their code. And this is actually very important for us to get because in that sense, what Ray Kroc did for the McDonald's brothers is he became the fullness of the McDonald's restaurant across the world. He became the fullness. He's not the fullness of God, but in that sense, he kind of completed, right? So Ray Kroc became the fullness of the McDonald's brothers. They started something. They had an original recipe that worked. He became that fullness, now carrying it to the rest of the world. He created a system that when you adhere to that system, it just works. And it doesn't matter which country you're in. And that's what we're talking about with the church. I mean, that's an imperfect example, but there's lots we can learn from that. And I want you to hear this. To the degree that the church adheres to the beliefs and practices of our founder and pioneer, Jesus, to that degree, we will become the fullness of God and impact our world just like Jesus did. But it's not simply just being a church or calling yourself a church or going to a church, that means you are the fullness of God and the fullness of God is working and things are going to just happen and those greater works are just going to happen the way Jesus said. No, he gave us a model. He told us what we are supposed to do and we need to be diligent, meticulous even, as Ray Kroc was in duplicating the McDonald's brand. We need to be meticulous in our adherence to the beliefs and practices set forth by Jesus himself if we are to become the fullness of God on the earth and so see the church move forward. Paul said as much in Ephesians 4, and uh, we covered this verse already, but I'll just remind you, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. So how does the franchise, we're not a franchise, but just so you can get the understanding, how does the franchise grow? When each individual franchise owner does their job holding to the original plan. And that's the same with the church. That will be how the church grows. When each part is working properly, as Jesus instructs us, that is when the church is built up and we can become the fullness of God. And that's pretty incredible. So truly, uh, I mean, if you think about this, remember we said that, that word before Jesus said in John 14, they will do the same. In fact, they will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. It's really an incredible statement, isn't it? But in that sense, using the McDonald's analogy, didn't Ray Kroc do greater things than the McDonald's brothers? He did. 
He did do greater things. He expanded it across the globe. He did greater things than the McDonald's brothers, even though he didn't come up with, their, with, with the original plan for success. They were the founders and the pioneers. They came up with it. They set the principles. He took it and duplicated it across the earth. And I'm, obviously, we're not saying it's a perfect analogy, but I think you can get the point in that. That's a good way for us to take a look at it. So we must, right? This is the same thing that we must do if we're to become the fullness of God like Jesus. This is the only way that we will effectively fulfill the job that he's given to us, the church, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourself in such a way that we become a living embodiment, a living testimony of who Jesus is to those that encounter us. That's not going to happen with just me empowered by me. That's going to happen with me empowered by God's spirit as I do things his way, not my way. And that's how we will go out and make disciples and change the world around us. So that's very, very important. So now we look at that, you see the importance of the fullness of God. And then the question is, okay, so then how do we make sure that we can become the fullness of God so that the fullness of God is present in our church so that we can go out and do our job effectively because we want that healthy body. We want the healthy body so that we can be effective in this world. And the first thing is, we're going to look at an age-old principle here, nothing new to you guys, but this is foundational work and it can't be overstressed. The first thing to becoming the fullness of God, to getting that in our church, is doing something that we have often talked about here, and that is submitting to Jesus as functional Lord. He needs to be the Lord of his church. The only way, because remember, in Jesus, the fullness of God dwelt in bodily form. If he is the head, yes, if we're connected to him, then the fullness of God, yes, works in and through us and is part of the church. But that is if we are connected to him. I'm jumping ahead. I want to jump to my Matthew 7 verse. But I'll I'll start with Ephesians, and I'm going to get to a verse that just shows it and exemplifies it in just a moment. But We're going to go back to Ephesians 4, because that's our our main theme passage for today. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Again, when you see the word therefore, you go back and see what it's there for. See what I did there? Therefore. You got to go see what it's there for. I thought that was funny. Okay. Thank you for laughing. I had one one chuckle. Lauren was so good at adding a a planned joke in there. I I just, that's not my thing. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> now, I'm, at least I'm laughing at myself. That's important. Okay, let's go see. What was he talking about? Well, we just said in the end of chapter 3, he's praying that the church of Ephesus would be filled with what? The fullness of God. So he's saying, I want you to be filled with the fullness of God. Therefore, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Meaning, I'm praying for this to happen, but you have a part to play. It matters what you do. For this prayer to be answered in the fullness that it needs to be so that the church can grow and be built up, you have a part to play. And that is, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then he goes on to to give us some universal truths that we need to adhere to, that we need to walk in, in order for that fullness of God to be present. And we see it in the three uh, three verse six here. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all who is through all and in all. It's incredible. It's a universal truth. And he says, adhere to those. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one Lord. There's a, it's, this is very important. I can't stress this enough. One Lord, one Lord. Lord is a function, not just a title. 
It is a function above one God over all, through all. Adhere, walk in this way. Functional Lord. Jesus modeled this. John 5, 19, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. He has given us the perfect model to follow. Jesus did. Right? He showed us. This is what he did. The Son of God didn't do anything of his own accord, but only what he saw the Father doing. And he actually commands us and he pushes us to do the same thing. We are to follow him, the head now, in the same way that he modeled when he was on the earth. We are to listen to the head of the church and we are to follow him. This is the basis of church unity. This is why we've had so much historical unity in our church. Learning how to hear God, learning how to submit to him as functional Lord. This is what, when, when church renewal pastors come and they see you guys and they say, what makes you different? It's this. This makes you different. This is what got us here. And now we're in stormy waters. And I believe this is what's going to get us out of here. But we should not be naive in our thinking, thinking that we will escape one problem and now go back into easy waters. We are told in the word that in this world we will have trouble. And so these principles we are given, one Lord, one body, right? He's functional Lord. This is actually the principle for all of us in all of our struggles and anything we go through. So in the same way, though, think about the McDonald's. McDonald's with their core values, quality, service, cleanliness, and value. So now I've just read our Christian core values. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Okay, we're all clear on that. This is our core values. Live by them, right? Now imagine you go to a McDonald's and they say quality and service and cleanliness and values on the wall, and you get your burger, and there is like three long hairs, it's undercooked, and there's mac sauce on the top of the bun, not just on the inside, but it's all over. Would you be pleased with the product that you got? Now imagine it happened two times going to the same McDonald's. Would you ever go there again? No, I wouldn't either. Right? I wouldn't either. Now, but yeah, but they have it on their wall. What the like quality is on their wall, so that must mean that it's still a quality burger. You see, we know that it's more than what's written on the wall. It's actually the product that you receive. It's what you get. That's what seems to matter the most to us as consumers, isn't it? If the product doesn't line up with what they say it's going to be, we don't want to go back. Well, even, and even if I would go to the employees now and, and interview each one and say, I just want to know because that was not a quality burger. Is quality your core value? Yeah, yeah, we all believe in core. Okay, well, I guess you said it was that way, so it must be true. You're thinking, no, it's not about what they say, it's about what they what? Do. It's about what they do. And in the same way, that's exactly this. It, it doesn't matter what's on the wall, wherever we put it in this church or in your home, it doesn't matter what we say is important. What matters is what we do. What we do will tell us what's important and what values are guiding us. Every believer calls Jesus Lord. I think I can say that. I don't like saying every statement. But I'm pretty sure with that one, every believer in Jesus would say, He's my Lord. He's my Lord and Savior. He's my Lord, right? That's why we say functional Lord here, because everyone says Lord and we've lost the meaning. It's just a title. It is not a word or title alone. It is ascribing to him a position of authority within our lives. This is the key to becoming the fullness of God, to being a healthy church. If we don't get this piece, none of the other ones matter. The head, my head, my brain, think about it. Why are we given that analogy? 
Because it's perfect, that's why. Because it's perfect. You take off my head, my body sucks. Can I say that here? It's bad, it's unhealthy, it would be dead. It would die. And I like my body, that's weird. But I like, I'm, I'm pleased with it in the sense of like, it functions well. <laughs> Sorry, that's so awkward. Sorry online for those that are watching with kids. I apologize. But anyways, I require, my brain is giving signals. I mean, for me to function right now, I'm giving all sorts of signals that are coming from here, the head. Jesus is the head. We need to hear his voice. We need to hear what he is saying to the church so that we can function accordingly, right? It's not about calling him Lord. Is our church. Are we listening to him for his ways? Are we listening to his thoughts, his plans, his strategies? Are we listening to the Lord of his church? And that's what's made us so special here at Southland. That's something that, that's been part of our heritage for years. We listen and we trust and we obey. But church, we can never lose that. Just because we have something doesn't mean that we have it forever. Because it's not something we say, it's something we do. Right? And I'm confident we have a good, we have a good body here. We're going to keep doing that. But look at this verse here. Matthew 7. Jesus himself said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He's saying it doesn't matter what's on your wall. What matters is what's in your heart and what you do. That's what matters. Now you might say, yeah, but I, I, whoa, whoa, whoa. No one can be perfect. Yeah, amen. That's why we're saved by grace. Thank God for that. Amen? Saved by grace. But that doesn't mean we don't have an incredibly high call on our lives. And it doesn't mean that there's not a demand on us. And there is a demand on us. He bought us with a high price, therefore we are not our own. And I love that. I don't want to be my own. I lived my life on my own. And I did a terrible job of it. I don't want to go back to that. I don't think you do either. All right. Jesus is functional, Lord. I'm going I'm to skip the last chunk. We have, I have next week anyhow. I can just go right back to that. This is good. So, uh... <clears throat> Candy, wherever you are, worship team, you can start coming up here. <laughs> Just looking at the time. I don't want to start if I can't finish. You know what I mean? Uh, but I, don't want, I, I can't emphasize this point enough, so I'm going to skip forward just a little bit. The next point was going to be, and I'll just give you the, the title, and that is becoming the fullness of God. Not only do we have to listen to him as functional Lord, we also have to minister like Jesus. And maybe I'll leave it as, you should just enter into this in the, in, during the week, this week, and start studying the Gospels. You want to have a church that's full of power? Then go out in the, in the might, in the modeling that Jesus actually has in here. And there's lots in here. And, and next week we're going to unpack that further. But for now I want to come back to this, the importance of it. John 14, verse 12, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. The disciples wrestled with Jesus on this very point. And they had said, Lord, like, they're thinking it's better that you stay here. And we've talked about this lots. But don't forget, it's, it's normal and natural to think this way. And Jesus said, no, it's better that I go. For if I go, I'm going to the Father. And if I go there, if I'm with the Father, I'm going to send to you the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And he is going to be the one that empowers you to become the body that Jesus needs us to be on the earth. And so we're going to worship together now. But... As we go into worship, and maybe, can, can you stand already? The song we're going to sing is for such a time as this, and I, it's incredibly appropriate for what we're talking about because this song is a song of declaration and commitment, of pledging our allegiance to Jesus. 
Sometimes we think of a boss, we think of a, a Lord, we think of a taskmaster. Maybe we've had bad experiences with people that were in charge of us. Jesus isn't a bad taskmaster. He's not a bad Lord, he's not a bad king. He won't even bruise a reed. He loves you so incredibly much that he was willing to take the penalty that was on you and, be, and, he, was allow, and he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross for you, for me. But then he says, as you receive that gift, we've received it, church. And what he says to us is he says, come, follow me. Let me show you a better way. This isn't him pointing at you and demanding like this. He's inviting us, church. Come, let me show you a better way. I have a way that is filled with meaning and purpose and value. Let's sing together. Thanks again for joining us for our weekend message. If you have any needs or prayer requests, please give us a call at 204-326-9020 or email prayer at myselfland.com. Once again, our phone number is 204-326-9020 and the email address is prayer at myselfland.com. 